stop to listen You can hear their hearts beating Hello, everyone. You're listening to American Indian Earwaves. From Marcus Lopez, Fabiana Hirsch, I'm your host for the hour, Larry Smith. Well, I think we need a concept to be able to capture the moment we're at, the extreme crisis facing humanity. And I think global police state does that. Global capitalism, we know, is in a severe crisis and perhaps the worst crisis in the 500 year history of capitalism. How the global police state uses a variety of oppressive methods for control, including mass incarceration, surveillance, police violence, U.S.-led wars, and more. Here on American Indian Airwaves, we'll speak with the author of the brand new book, The Global Police State by William Robinson. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. You can hear when the moon shines. We want to remind listeners that over the years, American Indian Airways brings you the voices of grassroots indigenous peoples, uh, native academics, and, and just indigenous peoples on the front lines of struggles throughout Mother Earth. And we've been broadcasting here on KPFK since 1973. And the station cannot operate unless it conducts its fund drives, and we are in fund drive mode. Therefore, we want listeners to know that you can support us here at American American Indian Airwaves, and we're offering two premium items. One is a brand new book by Dr. William Robinson called The Global Police State. We're going to play a snippet of an interview we did with Dr. William Robinson here shortly, but it's a brand new book. It's called The Global Police State, and the book talks about how the global police state uses a variety of methods of control, including mass incarceration, surveillance, police violence, U.S.-led wars, persecution of immigrants and refugees, and the repression of activists in showing how the police state is beyond control and is immensely profitable enterprise and keeps the global capitalist economy afloat in the face of chronic stagnation and in the face of systemic emerging poverty and ecological disarray. And this is a $125 premium. It's a brand new book. It's called The Global Police State. It's relevant, it's timely, and it's important for all of us to read. The other premium item that we're offering is Greg Palace's new book called How Trump Stole 2020, The Hunt for America's Vanished Voters. It's a signed copy of the book. It's a $120 premium, and it's a powerful expose on how the Trump presidential campaign administration and cohorts of the Republican Party are systematically attempting to prohibit 
people, particularly people of color, from voting in the forthcoming elections this November 2020. That's a $120 premium. You can call 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, or you can visit the KPFK website at kpfk.org and choose as a premium item the Global Police State by Dr. William Robinson or How Trump Stole 2020, The Hunt for America's Vanished Voters by Greg Palace, also a $120 premium. Well, Larry, we want to welcome everybody and our listeners have been uh, listening to American Airways and uh, these particular premiums, it's kind of like a thank you for all your listeners out there in Indian country and then within the whole internet and within all Southern California and other places about these particular gifts, especially I want to focus on the beginning of the hour of the Global Police State by William I. Robinson talks about these transnational capitalist class. And one might say, what's that to do with, the, with us and everyday life and everyday people? Larry and our listeners, this is a book about explaining why we are at where we are, what to do about it, and the mechanisms of control over very lives. You know, one little section I wanted to say with Larry was the transnational media practices that reflects and reproduces the transnational transformation of capitalism, the global entertainment media, and this global financial giant spread their investment tentacle throughout the Silicon Valley as well as the corporate media entertainment. So what's so, so important about this? Time Cost Corporations, Walt Disney Company, and the media finance CIT, Nexus, is, is enormously influential in shaping the culture and ideology of global capitalism and reproducing the system hegemony. Those are fancy words, Larry, saying that they control our lives, our ideology, our culture by the media entertainment industry as well as information industry. And this particular point about Hollywood and the entertainment industry and the corporate media has become weaponized that really steps up the circuits of militarized accumulation. Those are words within this book that explains even more the mechanisms, Larry, that we, the Native people, Use different language when they say that, that when, when the different pipelines throughout the country and the resistance of those pipelines connect the dots. This book, The Global Police State by William I. Robinson, connects the dots of worldwide, how worldwide contributes to the nationwide, contributes to the indigenous nations, contributing to the exploitation, oppression, and alienation that we all feel. And in Solari, once again, we offer these two premiums, $125 premium, the Global Police State, a thank you kind of premium. I know $120 um, Palace's book, How Trump Stole 2020. And in Palace's book, we'll go on there later on to explain certain things. But I think suffice to say, Larry, this is a tool. For example, Malcolm X talked about study your enemy. Well, we have to study these things. We can't be just following the crowd, studying them, using our intellect as well as a culture to determine what's important in our lives, what we want to do and build a new future. And at the end of the book, he talks about that. So, Larry, I think it's very vital and for everybody to get this book in order so you can read it, in order so you can interpret our reality. And um, 
I think it's so important to support American United Airways and support KPFK in order so they can at least a little bit of a light under the dimness of these corporations like Comcast Corporation or Walt Disney Corporation or other transnational media that control much of the news media and the news we see today. And so, Larry, I want to really emphasize that when you make your pledge, you're supporting the American Indian Airways. Absolutely. And we want to remind listeners that they can call 818-985-5735 or 818-985-KPFK or visit the KPFK website at kpfk.org and click on the KPFK pledge uh, widget on the website. And Marcus, you're so right in talking about American Indian Airwaves here on KPFK and how we provide right those alternative voices, which we shouldn't be an alternative voice if we truly had a democratized media system. And I think that's very powerful in, in, in how Do- uh, William Robinson talks about the global police state right, and, and the oligarchies that exist in the legacy media industry, as well as the communications, information technology industries, and how companies um, like uh, Google, which is a subsidiary of Alphabet, you know, Microsoft, uh, the Bing, Yahoo, you know, all these search engine uh, or companies that provide search engines that really are the main tool that people use when they access and search out in the internet, that it's extremely difficult to access alternative voices. It's extremely hard to find indigenous voices out on the internet unless you know where to go to look for it. And these industries are are dominated by just a handful of companies whose founders and, and owners are part of that transnational capitalist class that Dr. William Robinson talks about. But they're also part of that same class that run the a handful of transnational corporations that are really gatekeepers to how people understand the world that they live in and everything else uh, about the world that they don't even have access to that's that's missing in their lives it's missing from their consciousness and so the book the global police state provides that kind of information those tools to as you are so articulately express it provides that information and those tools that explains how we got here and how a world economy capitalist economy has reached the breaking point of its expansion and now it it's turning inward and it's creating this large system of surplus humanity where people are finding themselves out of work or are heading in that direction or lacking financial security and food security and it's important to understand how this system works. And that's what's so powerful about the global police state and also the work that we do here on American Indian Airwaves in bringing indigenous frontline voices uh, from the grassroots communities on the show. And we want to remind listeners that they can call 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK or go to kpfk.org. Again, William Robinson's book, The Global Police State, is a $125 
premium, or they can pick up Greg Palace's new book, How Trump Stole 2020, The Hunt for America's Vanished Voters, and that's $120 premium. And Marcus, we want to give listeners an introduction into the content that's in the book, The Global Police State. Uh, you, myself, and Fabiana Hirsch, uh, also part of the American Indian Airwaves Collective, had the honor and privilege to sit down and speak with William Robinson on his new book, The Global Police State. And so we want to introduce listeners to the first segment of a two-part interview that we're going to play over the next couple of weeks. So this is the first segment in part one of our interview with William Robinson on The Global Police State. Dr. William Robinson is Professor of Sociology, Global Studies, and Latin American Studies at the University of California, Santa Barbara. He is the author of numerous books on global capitalism, including Global Capitalism and the Crisis of Humanity, and We Will Not Be Silenced. Today, myself, Marcus Lopez, and Fabiana Hirsch speak with William Robinson on his brand new book released in September of 2020 called The Global Police State. Good evening, Dr. Robinson. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be on. And let me add that we need to keep American Indian Airwaves on the air. And so I'm particularly uh, happy that I'm able to assist in uh, tonight's show. Well, thank you for those words. We really appreciate that. To begin, we'd like to ask you why you decided to write Global Police State at this time, a time of turbulence we're all experiencing in the United States, the hemisphere, and the world. Sure. Well, I think we need a concept to be able to capture the moment we're at, the extreme crisis facing humanity. And I think Global Police State does that. Global capitalism we know is in a severe crisis. And I argue in the book that it's perhaps the worst crisis in the 500-year history of capitalism. And among its many dimensions, there are these two that we need to highlight. One is the structural dimension, uh, chronic stagnation in the global economy. And the second dimension to the crisis is political, the crisis of state legitimacy and of capitalist hegemony. Both of these dimensions to global crisis are linked to the unprecedented deepening of global inequalities. Many listeners are are already familiar with the basic data. 1% of humanity controls over 50% of the world's wealth, and more significantly, 20% of humanity. And here we're talking about that minority portion of humanity that can actually survive or aspire to survive under global capitalism. That 20% controls 95% of the world's wealth. So that leaves just 5% of the world's wealth uh, for 80% of humanity. The pandemic that we're in the midst of did not cause this crisis of global capitalism, but it did make it many times worse. So now we're at a dangerous moment of inflection. Capitalist states have been unable to cope with the crisis and the pandemic, and they've been exposed through this pandemic over the last year as instruments of wealth and corruption. And this this is leading capitalist states and the global elites to intensify global police states. So you ask why I've come up with this concept, because I think it's essential to understanding where we're at in 2020, the nature of global capitalism, but also the nature of the threat that we face. And you know that I mean three things by global police state. One is that we're seeing an incredible extension and intensification 
of systems of transnational social control and repression and militarization and war. And these systems are being extended in order to uh, contain the real, the actual, and the potential rebellion of surplus humanity, of that 80% of humanity, of the global working class. And the second thing I mean by global police states is that in the face of chronic stagnation, deepening stagnation in the global economy, these systems of transnational social control, repression, war, and militarization become immensely profitable, and they help the transnational capitalist class to continue accumulating capital and making profits in the face of stagnation. And the third thing I mean by this concept of global police state is that we're moving around the world in many countries around the world towards systems which we can, political systems that we can characterize as 21st century fascists. So, you know, you're asking me, why am I insisting on this concept of global police state? But we, so we have to see how these three dimensions of global police state are intertwined in new ways that really signal a new and extremely dangerous phase in global capitalism with a severe crisis as backdrop and as the world descends into this repressive totality. So talking about global police state helps us understand the beast that we are facing and how we may beat it back. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves and an interview with William Robinson, who's professor of sociology, global studies, and Latin American studies at the University of California, Santa Barbara. We're speaking on his brand new book, The Global Police State. And now back to the interview. William, when you talk about the political class and and you're talking about wealth concentration and uh, the pandemic, I can't help but think of um, you know that what you articulate as that trans capitalist class and and I know uh, during the pandemic, uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic, you know individuals like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk have actually profited uh, quite handsomely since uh, March of 2020. And I was wondering when you talk about the police state and this notion of a trans capital class and talk about who some of these uh, individuals are in the context of wealth inequality and this notion of a global police state, but also, you know, surveillance capitalism. And even for people that do work and are working, that notion of surveillance uh, precarity, if you will, which is still a form of, of employers, right? Employing technology and surveilling every step of the mode of production as a way to exploit labor. Yes. You know, well, to start with, as you observed, the latest report tells us that U.S. The wealth of U.S. billionaires grew by $845 billion during the first six months of the pandemic. Here we're talking, you're asking me about the individuals, we're talking about 643 of the richest billionaires in the United States. There, as 50 million people lost their job, as one out of every five families is facing severe food crisis and malnutrition, as poverty and misery is extending to, the, to millions of people in the United States, these 643 U.S. billionaires increased their wealth from $2.95 trillion to $3.8 trillion, and that is just in six months. That's a 29% increase. And if you want to face to this, just to take one example, could you even mention this? We can talk about Tesla founder Elon Musk. His wealth increased. 273% in this period. He's now approaching a net worth of $100 billion. Now, we are on American Indian Airways. 
And I want to follow up with Musk, because the readers will know that Bolivia in South America is a country which is, has a majority indigenous population. They made a revolution. They elected and brought to power Evo Morales in 2006. Morales was overthrown in a bloody coup d'etat last October, October 2019. What does this have to do with Elon Musk and what you're asking me? Well, a couple months ago, Musk wrote a tweet on the second U.S. government stimulus package that was being discussed at that time. And he said, this stimulus package is not in the best interest of the people. So someone responded with a tweet back to Musk and said, you know what's it? What wasn't in the best interest of people? The U.S. government organizing a coup against Evo Morales in Bolivia. So you could obtain the lithium there. Now, the context of that is that the batteries uh, which Musk needs for his electric cars run on, they need lithium. And Bolivia has, together with Chile, the largest deposits of lithium on the planet. And Evo Morales had declared that a public resource, the country was going to exploit that, but for the benefit of the Bolivian people, again, a majority of whom are indigenous. So Musk responded to this tweet, and I'm quoting exactly his response. We will coup whoever we want. Deal with it. That's what Musk said. So you have a perfect illustration here of global police state. You have this sociopathic global capitalist billionaire utilizing the U.S. state the Bolivian state, the armed forces, the paramilitary forces, to advance his capitalist interests in Bolivia. You have this mass repression. You have global police state being activated in Bolivia. And you also have in Bolivia this fascist mobilization uh, in Bolivian society. So let's remember, while Musk is increasing his wealth by nearly 300% during this pandemic, and the rest of us are moving down, and facing extremely difficult circumstances, he is also organizing and participating in coup d'etats against indigenous people in South America. So finally, because you brought up something critically important, Musk represents a particular wing of the transnational capitalist class. And it is the transnational capitalist class that is pushing and profiting immensely from global police state. His wing, though, is really at the cutting edge, at the core of this transnational capitalist class, and it is the tech capitalists, the Silicon Valley capitalists, must, must be one of them. And increasingly, the uh, tech and digital capitalists are at the very core, their activities at the very core of the global capitalist economy. And just as you noted, the new technology, digital technology coming online associated with the fourth industrial revolution is central to the whole global economy, but central to global police state. It allows for much more heightened forms of surveillance and control and monitoring of the population. And it also makes possible these frightening new systems of policing and of repression. So surveillance capitalism and the new digital technologies at the very core of the global economy, the global uh, police state. Bill, you provided an interesting segue by raising Bolivia and what's going on there, because really, as you know better than we do, the different aspects of your analysis are so interrelated that sometimes it's hard to separate one from the other. But looking at what's going on in Bolivia post-coup, looking what's going on in Chile with the vicious attacks on the Mapuche, mm -hmm. really it's to indicate your points throughout the book, really, even though in certain sections more than others, about the growth of 21st century fascism. Yes, 
Uh, we want to remember something else when we talk about Bolivia and Chile, which helps us understand why this global police state is beating down upon us. Remember that prior to the pandemic, Chile saw an explosion of mass resistance, of mass protest and mass mobilization. The biggest uprising in resistance in Chile since the 1973 coup d'etat backed and helped organized by the CIA to overthrow the democratically elected socialist government, El Salvador Allende. And this terrified the ruling groups in Chile, the ruling groups throughout South America, and really worldwide. But Chile was part of this massive uprising all around the world in the fall of 2019, right before the pandemic, momentarily took us off the street. We just need to remember, for instance, in India, there was a strike in 2019 of 250 million workers, the bigger, biggest worker strike, worker action in the whole history of the planet. There was the yellow vest in France. There were uprisings in Lebanon, in Iraq, in Sudan, in Hong Kong, all over the world, where, wherever we look. So, you know, we want to remember that global police state is in response to resistance from below, from initiative and action from below. And in the first instance, the whole purpose of global police state for the global elite, for the ruling elite worldwide, is to repress and contain this rebellion from below. Transnational elites, I'll add one other point here. Transnational elites are really extremely scared about a revolt which will overthrow global capitalism, which will challenge their power. And if you've read the book, you know that I have a number of quotes here from uh, leading transnational capitalists. Well, I read one of them, the one by Elon Musk, uh, explaining how terrified they are of this mass rebellion from below. So just to give one example, uh, Joachim Rupert, he uh, is the CEO of the biggest, most um, uh, luxury jeweler on the planet, Cartier. And he said in an interview last year that he can't get to sleep at night because every night he's scared about the poor rising up. And he is also scared that the revolt from below is going to lead high-income customers to not buy his jewelry because they don't want to appear ostentatious in the midst of a rebellion from below. So really, Chile and Bolivia are at the cutting edge of this resistance worldwide to global capitalism and the pushback against global police states. That was William Robinson, the author of The Global Police State. It's one of the two premiums we're talking about here on American Indian Airwaves. Again, the book, it's brand new. It's called The Global Police State by William Robinson. It's a $125 premium here on American Indian Airwaves. We're also offering Greg Palace's new book, How Trump Stole 2020, The Hunt for America's Vanished Voters. It's a signed copy of his new book, and that's a $120 premium that you can pick up at by calling 818-985-5735 or 818-985-KPFK or visiting the KPFK website at kpfk.org and clicking on the KPFK Pledge Drive widget on the website. And both books are extremely important and they help support American Indian Airwaves here on KPFK. Before we were talking about the transnational uh, capitalist class and, and the world economy and the role that the global media system plays in really defining and controlling a very limited sense of reality that most uh, media consumers and 
internet users experience on a day-to-day basis. And this is why it's so powerful to have alternative media, to have alternative voices, because they help challenge that hegemonic dominant narrative that exists out there in the mass media landscape. And so stations like KPFK and programs like American Indian Airwaves that bring grassroots, frontline, indigenous voices are so powerful in contributing to the media landscape. And so we want listeners to support us here on American Indian Airwaves. If you like the kind of content we bring to the show, if you like the kind of grassroots voices that we bring to the program, if you like the kind of indigenous intellectuals, thinkers, and activists that we bring to the program, support us here on American Indian Airwaves at KPFK by calling and making a pledge at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, or visiting the kpfk.org website and clicking on the KPFK Pledge widget and securing a premium item there for a dollar denomination. Marcus. Larry, you're so right. When Professor William I. Robinson talks about the transnational capitalist class, it kind of is like talking about a very unclear picture to the everyday person of who these people are. But these are real people, real organizations that control our lives. And American Indian Airways attempts to create a reality as far as the rebellion is going on or the uh, fight back what's going on, the frontline fighters of, of um first peoples and their conflict with the political economic system. But I think what, what Williams have done, he talks about the procreate and cognitive labor, big words, but basically laid off, marginalized, diminishing middle class that's going on now. And many of the, uh, the, even the Trump supporters say, now what the heck is going on? Even, you know, and the, the, Trump is a reflection of this transnational capitalist class, and at the same time, people live in reservations saying that, why are you so poor? Why are there no jobs? Why are there many people, especially first people that get trained, educated within the urban area, can't go back to the reservation? It's because of the fact that it's become this financial speculation and this commodification of debt, and which, it, which affects all of us, and you said it right word, Larry, the control it's about control and and this class these uh, um, american working class a lot of it and i don't know what the percentages are but this precarity and cognitive labor is these group of people that work for a living and cannot work for a living include the homeless native people the marginalized people that can't set you know the part-time workers that workers that are, that are in a variety of jobs that make a living or try to make a living that these are a particular group of people that they make a living try to make a living and these transnational capital classes in their particular in enterprises and it talks about this in the book it's too much to get into within this the mechanism of creating money of misery and so in order to, like I said before, in order to talk about this, in order to realize this, talk about the media, but it's also this notion of the transformation of class and property relations and its struggle for what ultimately must be an equal socialism. It talks about that. It talks about 
you know, we talk about, you know, this need for socialism. Maybe there's circles, like majority of the youth now, talk about socialism as a need to particular projection of our future. Also, eco, eco, ecological green movement has created a dialogue within these two words of eco-socialism as a resolution to the crisis required a radical redistribution of wealth and power downward to a poor majority of humanity. Can you imagine, for example, that the military-industrial complex or the other industrial complexes, the big pharma and all these different groups, these, if they're taxed right, these monies, billions of dollars can go to reservations. Billions of dollars can go to uh, health care. Billions of dollars can go to housing. Billions of dollars go X, Y, and Z, in which they pay their true value of the tax, unlike the president, they can do that. And we're asking you, I know there's a troubled time, Larry. I know that people, maybe they're groups and organizations, church groups, organizational groups, casino groups, or whatever, whatever, whoever can, who listen to this program, pick up the phone. Call 818-985-5735. 818-985-5735. Or go to like you said before, Larry, kpfk.org. That's kpfk.org. Since 1973, Liz Lloyd, Bill Watson, myself, yours, and many other people, Fabian Dubin, Corey Dubin, many others that we can't name, the list goes on, that we have provided you with an alternative that we and you are working together. We want to build a relationship with you. And like what my dear friend who's passed away now, Corey Dubin used to say, put your wallet where your ear is. You know, that and so important because of the fact that we, if you want to listen to this program, like you said, Larry, pick up the phone. Phone the number, 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735. In the internet, please go to the internet, kpfk.org. And this time, the station, for example, have bills, too. They have a staff that's barely making it because it's COVID-19. And we're all our programmers within the whole cross-section of KPFK ask for your support. And we have these two different gifts that we thought were appropriate for our listeners and for the people. So as organizations, for libraries, for um, activist groups, for all these different people. You need to know what's going on in the world, and this is a playbook. This is a, a book in which explains the global picture and how it does affect us, and it does affect us, and we can see that worldwide politics is because of this capitalist class and these individuals that are in this class affecting our everyday life. And so, Larry, I think this is so important to understand that. Absolutely, Marcus. And we want to remind everybody, the book is called The Global Police State by William Robinson. It's a $125 premium. And the second premium item that we're offering here on American Indian Airwaves is a signed copy of Greg Palace's new book called How Trump Stole 2020, The Hunt for America's Vanished Voters. That's a $120 premium. Both premium items can be picked up by calling 818-985-5735 
or 818-985-KPFK or simply visiting the kpfk.org website. And we want to encourage listeners, if you appreciate the show, if you appreciate uh, the voices that we bring to all of you here on American Indian Airwaves and how we try to uplift indigenous voices uh, as part of the larger spectrum of diversified perspectives that broadcast on KPFK, we're encouraging you to dial 818-985-5735 or 818-985-KPFK or go to the KPFK website once again and pick up a copy of The Global Police State by William Robinson or pick up a signed copy of How Trump Stole 2020, The Hunt for America's Vanished Voters by Greg Palace. The Global Police State, $125 premium. Greg Palace's book, How Trump Sold 2020, $100.20 premium. And support Indigenous Voices, support alternative media, support a future uh, for all generations by informing and in educating yourself. Larry, the, one of the things that I wanted to say, especially about how Trump stole 2020, he has a, uh, a quote, Dan. It says that um, I could say, stop screwing voters of color out of their votes or don't put your right to vote in the hands of jackals like Kobach, Husted, or Alito. He says, in billionaires and ballot bandits, many detailed analysis put the 2008 elections still at 5.9 million votes via purchase, disqualifications, mass rejections, or provisional absentee and paper ballots. In other words, they can't steal all the votes all the time. Whatever the steal in 2008, whether 5.9 million or more, Obama simply overwhelmed it. This book is not an excuse to simply walk away in tears. If someone is trying to steal your car, would you say, oh, here's the key? You scream, holler, and bite, and scratch. So we're talking about this vote, and we're talking about we're screaming, we're hollering, we're biting, and we're scratching, in a polite way, of course, about contributing to an alternative voice, a different voice, and how Gret Palace's book, and it's a very comical book in the South, Larry, but it talks about if someone was to steal your ride or steal your car, you'll go after them, and the same thing, same thing is happening. Somebody's stealing democracy, and it's about power, power of money, and this is the book in summation. It's about how this money is stealing the 2020 elections. We got to wake up, we got to act, mobilize, and we have to say that this vote, your vote, is important. By reading how Trump stole 2020, you realize how so important it is. And so you get off from your couch, get up from your kitchen table, get up from your car. Obviously, you're not you know, driving unless you have a pre, um, pre-programmed uh, car. Or you get up from a walk, or you get up from a run, or you get up from your ship, or you get up from your boat, you get up wherever you are, and phone this number. And that number is 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735, or 985-KPFK, or KPFK.org. Larry, gives you 
an avenue. When we talk about a lot of it was alternative. Larry, it's about not being cheap, okay? It's about not following the main line. It's about being creative, being injected with this activity that we need at this time in order to come to that conclusion. What is that conclusion? As best as possible, creating a democracy, and you can't create a democracy if you get false analysis or false news. The important thing is that's what KPFK intends to do and is doing, and that's what we do American Indian Airways. Listen to the first people. Listen to indigenous people. Listen to those, uh, those leaders, the scholars, those activists that are trying to articulate of their survival as well as the projections for a future where everybody, just like with the Zapatistas, saying that building a world where all can exist. You're so right, Marcus. And we want to we wanna bring listeners back to our interview with Dr. William Robinson, the author of The Global Police State. This is the second segment in part one of a two-part interview that you, myself, and Fabiana Hirsch did with William Robinson. The book is called The Global Police State. And Dr. William Robinson is a professor of sociology, global studies, and Latin American studies at the University of California, Santa Barbara. He is the author of numerous books on global capitalism, including Global Capitalism and the Crisis of Humanity, and We Will Not Be Silenced. And now we go back to Dr. William Robinson on his brand new book, just released in September of 2020, The Global Police State. William, I know in the book, um, you characterize oftentimes the, that people tend to focus more on on the state, on the governments. And, and we've been talking about, you know, corporations and, you know, the supra wealthy, uh, the upper echelons of the global economy. And, and I know you're very uh, critical also of the state and also its problematic position. And so how does the state work in the context of the global police state, especially like in the United States, right, where, you know, it's supposed to be a representative democracy and this is American citizens government. So how does that work in the global police state? Well, the state is not neutral in the face of the conflicts raging in society. And it's not just any state that we have in the United States or anywhere around the world at this point. It's specifically the capitalist state. We can't separate the state from the groups that are economically dominant in society. And that is the transnational capitalist class and the leading global financial uh, financial and, and financial institutions and corporations. The unbelievable power that has been amassed and concentrated in the hands of transnational capital, especially the big banks, but also Silicon Valley, the military industrial complex, and, and uh, so forth. That economic power translates into political influence and control over states. So it is a farce to talk about democracy under these circumstances. And any astute political observer in the United States already knows how this, the corporate sector, how the billionaires control the political process through their donations, through the... the it is Wall Street and the corporations apply Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense, the Secretary of the Treasury. They're the ones that run the government. But theoretically, we want to understand this because, you know, you pointed out that people focus on the state. And while we do have to focus on the state, because 
because that's where formal political power is concentrated, we need to see that behind the capitalist state, such as the U.S. state, is the capitalist class, in this case, the transnational capitalist class. And so our larger battle is to change the whole socioeconomic system, that is to challenge capitalism itself and the dictatorship of transnational capital. And we need to take our struggles into in the streets to that second level, to see that the state is the instrument, the coercive instrument, the ideological instrument, etc., of the capitalist system dominated and controlled by the capitalist class, and in this particular case, that leading group in the capitalist class, which is this transnational capitalist class. William, I know a lot of people experience really throughout the hemisphere, but throughout the world, as you're explaining, but also in this country, some of the most severe oppressions they've ever gone through. I mean, if we were to compare repressions, we could do a whole show on that. But as they're experiencing that, though, I felt like reading your book made me think about how important it is for people who are activists to maybe either hit the pause button or figure out a way to step back a little bit and analyze what's going on. Because the process of rising up against all of what you're describing, which is an incredible interrelationship of forces that are really extraordinary and unprecedented, as you say, and to be able to fight them in a way that's strategic and thoughtful, not just reactive, takes some real theoretical discussion as well as activism. Absolutely. Uh, you said that so well that I, you know, I can say nothing but ditto to what you've just confirmed. Um, spontaneous action in the streets, no matter how important it is, taking to the streets and protesting, whether it's against police violence or against for health security of health on the job in Amazon or in, in, um, in hospitals, all of that street action is extremely central and extremely relevant, but it has to link up with several other things. As you pointed out, at times we do need to touch the pause button and to reflect theoretically what's going on here. What is the nature of our enemy? What is the underlying causes of all of these things we're fighting against? Whether again, it's police violence, the lack of health care, dangerous work conditions, the threat of eviction and the housing crisis, all of these have underlying connections. And the underlying connection is in the larger system of capitalism and those who rule the uh, capitalism. But to get at that, we do need to think theoretically. We do need to think analytically. And so that is critically important. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves and an interview with William Robinson, who's professor of sociology, global studies, and Latin American studies at the University of California, Santa Barbara. We're speaking on his Brand new book, The Global Police State. And now back to the interview. And, you know, one of the things going on here is that the socialist left has been in crisis. It is not significantly in the United States influencing, and in many countries around the world, influencing the mass rebellion from below and the social movements. And we need to change that. We know that we know that the experiments at socialism in the 20th century were a dismal failure. But we also know that we have to overthrow global capitalism if we want to achieve social justice and equality. For that, we do need powerful analyses and, the and theoretical insight into capitalism, but we also need mass socialist organization. And the other thing we need, and of course we have this, but is we need an organized working class, a working class organized into unions and other forms of, forms of worker organization. So I think the formula for moving forward is to have a triangulation of three 
forces from below. One is all of these social movements which are burgeoning on every corner of the planet, including here in the United States, the anti-racist uprising is only one dimension of this social upsurge from below and social movement. But the second part in this triangulation needs to be powerful political organizations that can bring that theory to the masses in their everyday struggles and in the street rebellion. Uh, and so we need it to link with socialist organization with left political organizations. And the third wing in this three-way triangulation, which for me is the way forward, is to reinvigorate and, and um, a powerful work, workers' movement and have all three of these link up. Let's remember something that, that happened in the first six months of the pandemic. There was this upsurge in strike activity and worker activity in the Amazon plants, in the different, uh, in the hospitals and in the health sector. Agricultural workers took action. The meatpacking workers took action. There was all of this ferment among workers, particularly workers in the most vulnerable circumstances. And then we had the assassination of uh, George Floyd and this massive, unprecedented anti-racist uprising. And unfortunately, although there was overlap in terms of people participating in both fronts of struggle, that they could have been better coordinated. And I think one reason they were not uh, is because, again, we lacked powerful leftist organizations that can bring that analysis, bring that theory, and show what are the underlying, what's the underlying system, the underlying causes of the problems that we're fighting at on so many multiple fronts. Yeah, Marcus Lopez here. Um, it's an incredible book. I mean, the global police state, William I. Robinson, is talking about something that the left and the social movement have been saying something for the last 40 years in one book. Um, there's a lot of things to understand within the book. Well, one thing you made clear, William, and that is the understanding of capitalism, just to taking it apart and this notion of a capitalist globalization, taking it out of the nation state, taking it out of the country and looking at the global view and the new economic model known as flexible accumulation. And mm -hmm. then you talked about, which I had to look it up, this precarious labor, and then in turn the lumpen proletariat, and then turned out these other words that describe this new feature of this accumulation, which affects, talk about that accumulation, talk about this new sense of what the world has evolved into. Sure, well, we need to remember that Above all, the very the capitalism is a system which uh, follows an implacable drive to accumulate capital. That is to make profit. It trumps everything else. The drive to maximize profit. And so we had an earlier moment because you're asking me about this new globalist stage of world capitalism. We had an earlier moment, certainly reaching its heyday in the 20th century in which capitalism was organized in individual nation states. Of course, these nation states traded with one another. There were financial flows, but we had nation state capitalism. And the 20th century was a time of mass struggle all around the world. It was militant uh, working class struggles in the United States, the black and Chicano liberation movement, the feminist movement, the anti-war movements. We know about this in the United States, but worldwide with the anti-imperialist and anti-colonial struggles, the third world revolutions. This was in the 20th century. And these mass movements from below at every single level forced capitalist state to regulate um, capital, to regulate capitalism, to intervene in the market, to bring some form of regulation, and particularly to bring about some type of a redistribution of wealth downward through minimum wages, through um, um, unemployment insurance, through social security. All of these things came about in the 20th century as a result of struggles, mass struggles from below that brought about that limited redistribution because capitalism left to its own devices will polarize wealth. 
It will concentrate wealth in one, two, three percent of humanity the most, and it will immiserate everyone else. And we saw where earlier in the interview we were talking about how the U.S. billionaires have increased their wealth by a trillion dollars, while the rest of us are, are, are moving down. So in the 20th century, we were able to fight back at the nation state level. But by the late 20th century, the capitalists started realizing they had to break the power of the working and the popular classes. They had to push the mass revolt uh, onto the defensive. And so capital went global. That is to say that globalization, starting in the late 20th century, was a strategy of capitalist classes around the world to break free of the nation state and of popular and mass constraints to the unbridled accumulation of profits that capital was thinking. So that brings us to the 21st century, to the new global stage of world capitalism. And in this global stage, we are fighting at the nation state level, but capital is operating globally. And so this has weakened the popular and the working classes everywhere around the world. And one of the ways this has weakened is that Capital, in order to maximize profits, needs to minimize what it pays out to workers. And so part of that is that through, through our computer and information technology, through all of the new digital technologies, capital has been able to reorganize the whole global economy. And in this reorganization, workers are increasingly have been in a more vulnerable situation. And in particular, to, to you know, link this to your question, there are two categories, two groups that face up against global police state that are moving downward and being destabilized by global capitalism. And one is what I call in the book surplus humanity. The International Labor Organization tells us that uh, one third of the workforce, that there's two billion people on the planet that are surplus humanity, meaning they don't have formal jobs. They are structurally marginalized from the formal global economy. They have to scratch out a living in the informal sector and very often face starvation, uh, homelessness, and death. That's one third of humanity is surplus humanity, structurally unemployed and marginalized. And then those that are in the workforce increasingly face these precarious work conditions. That's what you were referring to with the technical term, flexible accumulation, meaning that you have no job security whatsoever. You might be temporary labor, contract labor, uh, part-time labor, outsourced labor. The newest thing is these global corporations say that you're an independent contractor. So you're driving Uber. You have to pay for your own car. You have to maintain your own, own car. You have to hope you pick up enough people to be able to earn enough money to pay your rent uh, for the month. You're not an, an independent contractor. You are a measly worker for Uber, a global corporation with billions of dollars in revenues uh, and, uh, and profits. So that's the new face of precarious work. It's what we're calling the precarious. And the precariat, that is people with precarious work, is 50% of those who have jobs anywhere on the planet are now in these precarious work arrangements, these unstable work arrangements, which bring no security whatsoever. And you can shift from precarious work right into surplus humanity at any time. So that is the face of the global working class. And again, we're talking about 80, 90% of humanity are facing uh, these, these uh, conditions. And of course, to conclude, that's where global police state comes into the story. This mass of humanity, surplus humanity, and precarious workers and, and, and poor people rising up threatens the domination of the transnational capitalist class of global elites, and they need an instrument to beat back any revolt and keep people in line. And that is the global police state. Given what you said, William, we can see that indigenous nations 
whether it be North America, South America, Central America, or throughout the world, is dealing with this question of transnational capital. And, and then in turn, how we need to understand this mass mobilization from below, as you stated, and impose a counterweight to control this transnational capital. Well, most certainly, absolutely. You know, we want to remember that capitalism is a system that has to constantly expand. It's like riding a bicycle. If you stop pedaling the bicycle, it falls over. If capitalism stops expanding outward, it collapses. It enters into crisis. And so the whole history of capitalism over 500, more than 500 years now, are these waves of expansion. But what do I mean by waves of expansion? Each of these waves of expansion involves dispossessing people around the world, colonizing them, appropriating their resources, exploiting their labor and then controlling and repressing them if they dare to fight back. So if you want to talk about indigenous in the United States, the genocide against indigenous involved um, the formation of capitalism on the eastern uh, seaboard originally and its expansion outward in an earlier wave of expansion to conquer what is today the, 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 the rest of, of the United, of continental United States. And that process involved the genocide of indigenous, but specifically it involved also the appropriation of their land and their resources. So the whole history of capitalism can be seen as these ongoing waves of expansion, which involve dispossession, repression and control, and massive systematic permanent resistance from below. That's the dynamic over 500 years. But currently, at this time, again, in the face of that chronic stagnation in the global economy that we talked about all the earlier, global capitalism is trying to launch a new wave of outward expansion. So that is why, you know, we spoke about Bolivia and the lithium deposits and the link between indigenous struggles in Bolivia and the transnational capitalist class. That new wave of outward expansion has to seize those lithium resources. We want to talk about Standing Rock, uh, for instance, the resistance in Standing Rock to the, um, to the pipeline. That in the larger story is also a part of capitalist expansion. Indigenous lands and, and need to be um, seized in this new wave of expansion of, cap, uh, of, uh, uh, of capitalism. And key to capital being able to carry out this new wave of its expansion around the world against the seizure of resources, the super exploitation of labor, the dispossession of people all over the world. Key to that is having an instrument, which I'm calling the global police state. The moment of silence is over. And that was Dr. William Robinson on his brand new book, The Global Police State, here on American Indian Airwaves. That concludes our show for today. We want to thank our listeners and encourage you to support American Indian Airwaves and KPFK by visiting the kpfk.org website. A special thank you again to our guest, Dr. William Robinson of the book, The Global Police State. A special thank you to our musical guest, Aragon Star, Koopa Aina, and the band Blackfire. American Indian Airwaves is mixed and mastered in the studio of Burnt Swamp Studio in Signal Hill, California. For Marcus Lopez, Fabiana Hirsch, I'm your host for the hour, Larry Smith. Until next time. The moment of silence is over. And for the innocent, you can't justify. Why your freedom manifests on their graves And the blood never comes clean from their guilty minds Nor the hands that hold the chains
Silence is over.